0: Well, we have a few more days left with Sister Bev. I'll be picking up in Jeremiah on Thursday here in my notes, but you've got a few more days with Sister Bev, so she'll be with you in just a few minutes, but let me take you to Philippians chapter 1 today for our New Testament passage. Now, we're trying a different mic today. We're going to see how this works with the sound and everything. We're using like a mic we use on the platform that doesn't have big magnets in it and everything. Uh, change the pin, change the screen, change the mic. So let's see if this thing works properly this week. All right, Philippians chapter one, beginning with verse 27. Only let your manner of life, all right? This is how we live. How we live. In other words, what people can see. Be worthy of the gospel of Christ. All right, now Paul looks at us and says, you know, would you please stop the sleeping around, stop the pornography, stop the the, the clubbing, stop all of this stuff, okay? Stop the lying and the stealing in your offices. I mean, please, Paul said, stop all that stuff. Let your manner of life, let how you live that people can see, be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that... Whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith in the gospel. So Paul said, you know what I want to hear about? I want to hear that the church is united in spirit, united in thought, and united in work for the gospel. He said, that that's what I want to hear. He said, that that's what I want to hear. That, that's what the devil wants to destroy. He said, and not frightened by any in anything by your opponents. <laughs> oh, brothers and sisters, you're not gonna like this part. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. Now, now brothers and sisters, whether you want to accept it or not, there are always going to be people who stand against the church. There's always going to be people who stand against a local church. There's always going to be people who stand against the preaching of the gospel. He said, "So you're going to have to make a decision not to be frightened in anything. Don't be frightened in anything." He said, "This will be this is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God." He said, "All right, you want you want to know how it's it's clear that God is with you." He said, you're not afraid. You're not afraid. You, you just stand there and you're not afraid. He said, your lack of fear is a clear sign of their destruction and your salvation. And that, that salvation is from God. And it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. All right. This, is, this has been granted. Okay. This is a gift God gave to us. A gift that God gave to us is so that you, for the sake of Christ, that you should not only believe in him, but you should also suffer for him. Now, now that's a beautiful truth, brothers and sisters, that as Christians, we don't want to deal with the idea of Christian suffering. But you know what? He said, that's a gift that God has given to you. He granted to you the privilege of not only believing in Jesus, but he also granted to us the privilege of suffering for his sake, engaged in the same conflict you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So Paul said, listen, you watched me suffer. It's been granted to you to also suffer. Sometimes people, they make this idea that Christianity is is this walk through a beautiful garden on a peaceful, calm, not too hot, bright sunny day with a blue sky, and Everything is beautiful, but you know what? It's not always like that. Sometimes you really pay a price to do what's right. Sometimes you pay a price to share the gospel. The persecution from family, the persecution in your offices. Now, luckily, we don't have national persecution, but you know, there are places that they do. Paul said, you're engaged in the same conflict. He said, this this is a conflict that we live in. He said, no, we're people of peace, but conflict comes to us because of the gospel. Chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, okay, so what, what do we find in Christ? We find encouragement in Christ. We find comfort From love, we find participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Now, he says, so if there's any of this in you, if if you found encouragement in Christ, if you found comfort from being loved, if you found fellowship, participation in the Holy Spirit, you've had Holy Spirit encounters, any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy. Paul said... Make my joy complete. Complete my joy. Why? How? By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So Paul says, this is how you make me happy as a pastor. Number one, you have the same mind. Number two, you have the same love. Number three, being in full accord. Number four, being of full mind. He said, how to make a leader, a leader joyful? He <laughs> said, Paul said, make my joy complete. How? Be of the same mind. Have the same page. You're moving in the same direction, all right? Have the same love. And this refers to the same quality of love. You know, there are some people that, that you love them with everything in you, and they love you back with this much. Okay? He said, have the same quality of love for one another. You know, there are some people that love you a little bit. You want to have the same quality of love for one another. That's why Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus said, agape. And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know, phileo. I have a fond, brotherly affection for you. He said, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. All right. He said, are you doing this because of competition? He said, are you doing this because of competition? Are you making yourself a rival against others in the church? And don't do anything out of conceit. Don't don't act out of pride. You're doing this because you think you're better than everybody else. He said, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Now, that's one of those real easy ones to preach, but hard ones to live. In humility, you put everybody else first in life. Okay? that That's... That's how it goes. In humility, you let everybody else go first. Now, you, you have to understand, we live in a world where everybody's pushing themselves first. You know, like if, if I go stand in a line to buy something, it is very, very common that somebody will come and push their way in front of me and just stare at me. And oh, That's fine. Obviously, you are in a bigger hurry than I'm at, okay? It, it's amazing to watch how people act in the world. But in the body of Christ, we're supposed to count everybody more significant than ourselves. Let, let them go first. It's okay. We're not trying to push our way through and trying to get everybody else out of our way. Let, let everybody else go first. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the other interests of others. All right? So... He said, it's okay, notice the word only, it's okay to, to think about, hey, this is what I need to do for myself, this is what I need to do for my family. But he said, also look out for the interests of others. So he said, listen, it's all right to, to think about taking care of yourself, but also make sure you think about taking care of others. Have this mind in you among yourselves, which is, all, which is yours in Christ. All right, here's this in Christ stuff again. In Christ, this is our mind, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But making himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of a man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, Paul said, That's how you and I are supposed to think. We think like a servant. We think with humility. We think with obedience, even to the point of death. We give ourselves for others. When God asks us to do something, we're willing to suffer to help other people. He said, now that's, that's the mind. That's how a Christian is supposed to think. We're not supposed to be thinking rivalry. I'm going to do this, and I'm going I'm better than they are. We're not supposed to be thinking like that. We're supposed to be taking the form of a servant, humbling ourselves, becoming obedient. Therefore, and here's here's the big key, and this this is a major key. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. Now you you have to understand the path to promotion, the path to promotion from God is the path of Humble service. That's it. You humbly work to serve others. And that is the path to promotion. That is how God exalted Jesus. It's not going to be any different for us. Now again, the world tells you to blow your own horn. The world tells you to step on other people and get your way up. The world tells you to take. You know, I've never understood people who want to destroy what others have done just to have something for themselves. Because it never lasts it it vanishes like like smoke okay the path to promotion is humble service so that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth every knee bows now hell is always what's kind of looked at as under the earth so we're talking about heaven earth and hell and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now notice, every tongue confess, not just the angels and not just the Christians. There will come a day that every human being that has ever lived and is alive at that time will confess, speak the same thing as God, as homologeia, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a day when no longer will Jesus be coming to his own and his own received him not. There will come a day when Jesus will not face rejection. When Jesus returns to this earth, every human being that has ever lived is alive at that time. Every demon, every angel, Satan himself will confess Jesus as Lord. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship.
1: Isaiah or Isaiah. Isaiah, Isaiah, as the people say, it's wonderful to study this book of Isaiah, 66 chapters corresponding to 66 books of the Bible. We have what corresponds to the Old Testament chapters 1 through 39, which is history, poetry, the prophetic oracles that are given about the nations. And then we have chapter 40 to 66, which is comfort, comfort ye my people, says the Lord. We have so much about the Messiah. There is no other book of the Old Testament quoted as often as Isaiah, except the book of Psalms. And as we know, we also sing a lot of psalms, a lot of songs from the book of Isaiah. Wonderful book. Well, today... It's Monday, so I didn't see you yesterday. But I hope you were reading because we were supposed to read chapter 58 and 59. Chapter 58 is such a significant chapter in our understanding of the Sabbath, or as we say, Shabbat. It talks about how we are to approach our Sabbath and our fasting. And it talks about social justice that we have to pour ourselves out on behalf of the poor, bless the poor. I thank God that, first of all, in my own life, because my pastors from Canada are the ones that really helped us get started with our feeding program in Manila. I thank God for that heritage. And until now, even though they've been in heaven for years, their organization continues and continues to help us in our support of that feeding program. So thank God for people who get involved and thank God for the heritage of COP and all that you do, COP, in blessing the poor and and feeding the poor because it says, then you will call on the Lord and the Lord will answer. And of course, it talks about the importance of the Sabbath, of setting aside one day for the Lord, you know, that's not easy when you are work from home, is it? And I know a lot of you are work from home. <laughs> Some of you, if you're seniors or young people, you just stay at home and it's, God bless your hearts. But it's not easy when you, when you go to work, you go to work and then you leave your work and you come home and then you're home. But when you work from home, you can never come home. (laughs) You're just there. And the tendency, I know your tendency, you tend to, when you get up in the morning, you start working. And you're working, and you're working, and your your kids want something, I'm working. And your husband wants something, I'm working. And it's time to go to bed, but you've got another idea, and you're working. (laughs) And a client wants an order, so you're working. Work from home can be exhausting. But The Bible makes it very clear, and it's so clear in the chapter 58 of the book of Isaiah. We all need a Sabbath. We need a day, a day of rest, and a day to give to the Lord. Amen. So that was important. And just one verse I'll read to you from chapter 59, because it's the verse right before our reading for today. Chapter 59, verse 21. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in my mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth, forevermore. What a beautiful encouragement. What a beautiful reassurance that this word that we value so much, that we treasure this word of God, It will not depart from our mouth, not only our heart, not only our brain, but also not depart from our mouth. And there's assurance also from our children and our grandchildren. God's word will be faithful in their mouths as well. And now today, we come to chapter 60. Wow, out of 66 chapters, we are already going to start reading chapter 60. Now, these verses that we're about to read in chapter 60, they're verses we can take such encouragement from. We can be greatly encouraged. They're verses wherein we can see the character of God, the desires of God, the heart of God. But they are also verses that are prophetic. So they still have a future fulfillment as God brings Israel together and as God rains again here on this earth like his feet on this earth raining from Jerusalem all right chapter 60 arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you for behold darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you and nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Did you see that? The light of God shines in his people that his light might shine from his people. The light of God shines in you that he might shine from you, and that will be attractive to others. Light is attractive to the sinners. See, we shouldn't have dark churches, you know, where it's all the lights out, just a spotlight on the platform, and everything on the platform is all black. No, we should have light, because light, we are children of light, and God's light shines in his people, so that his light might then shine from his people, and it will all be to the glory of God. And it starts to say then in verse 4, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you, your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the nation shall come to you. Now here's something I want to say about how we interpret the word of God. We interpret as literally as possible. We literally believe that these are literal promises to a literal nation of Israel. And they will literally take place before our very eyes. It will happen. It's about Israel. It's about its rebuilding. So how does that apply to how we interpret Scripture? In the Bible, in Scripture, there is always only one correct interpretation. And you might say, no, my interpretation of the Bible is just as valid as the next guy's interpretation of the Bible. No, There's only one correct interpretation, but there are zillions of applications. How many people are in your household? Each one of them could have a different application from the same scripture. The same scripture, God could speak to one person's heart and another person's heart and another person's heart in application. And so how many people are on this earth that's how many applications there could be to the same scripture. And then multiply that times how many people are on earth throughout all of history. That's why I say there's probably there are zillions of applications. But when it comes to interpretation, we are literal whenever possible. For example... Don't go gouging out your eye, literally, okay? There are some things like that. But I want you to realize the church has not replaced Israel. We have been grafted in to Israel. We are to love Israel, to pray for her, to comfort, comfort ye my people, says the Lord. We are to minister to Israel and obviously all of us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem all the time. But these scriptures that we are reading then today, these are literal promises to a literal Israel, and that's how we take it. And that's how you should read your whole Bible. Take it literally, even if you think, does that make sense? Try to take it literally as much as possible. So lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip then you shall see and be radiant your heart shall thrill and exult because of the abu- because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you the wealth of the nations shall come to you a multitude of camels shall cover you do you want that literally to take place in your life <laughs> well maybe in israel because camels camels peacocks different things were considered valuable. And you know, there's jokes in Israel now when you go there. Oh, what a beautiful daughter you have. I'll give you 5,000 camels for her. Camels are important. They're valuable. And yeah, the nations around could bring camels to Israel as gifts. But I don't think you want camels covering your house and lot, do you? But you do want the application of this You want prosperity, and this is prosperity coming to God's people. You do want prosperity coming to your house, (laughs) just not a bunch of camels. Prosperity will look different in your house. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Keter shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaoth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. (laughs) I like that. It's okay to want God's house to be beautiful. It's okay. You are the temple of the living God. It's okay. You want God's temple to be beautiful. Here he says, I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their window for the coastland shall hope for me the ships of Tarshish first now all the way through Isaiah, we've been looking at these ships of Tarshish. remember it, ships of Tarshish were sea-going vessels, those tall sails on them, and they carried cargo from city to city. And they were so common that people would, it started out just being from Tarshish, but then after a while, any tall sailing ship that was carrying cargo would be called a ship of Tarshish, and it came to be known as like a symbol of pride. The The ships of Tarshish, would the tall, lofty, would be brought low. To bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them, For the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. Do you like that? (laughs) He has, he beautifies his beautiful house and he has made you beautiful foreigners shall build up your walls and their king shall minister to you for in wrath i struck you but in my favor i have had mercy on you your gates shall be open continually day and night they shall not be shut now is that true in jerusalem right now no they have closing hours they shut doors and gates and shops and so on but in this time, so we see it's still a future time being talked about, that people may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession, for the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. Okay, receive that. Does God live in you? He will make the place of his feet glorious. He will make you beautiful if you are the temple of God. But obviously, literally, there is a literal fulfillment as well. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who despised you shall bow down at your feet, They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. See, to be a Zionist right now, some people, oh, he's a Zionist, you know, from some of the enemies of the people of God. But there, people will say, they shall call you the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, no one passing through. I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations. You shall nurse at the breast of kings, and you shall know. There's that phrase, and you shall know that I, the Lord, I am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Upgrades! And instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land. Won't that be a day? (laughs) Won't that be a beautiful, glorious day in this millennial reign of Christ no violence. Why is there no violence? Because there's peace. Why is there peace? Because there is righteousness. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. You shall call your walls salvation. You are surrounded by this fortress. These walls around you, it's not just city walls, stone walls, but you will be surrounded by Yeshua, salvation. You are in Christ and he is your fortress. He is your refuge. He is your strength. He is your hiding place. He is your shelter. Amen. The sun shall no more be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord shall be your everlasting light. And your God will be your glory, your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself; for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. You know some of you right now you're we're coming through this covid period, you are in days of mourning, you've had loved ones die, maybe from covid, heart disease, stroke different kinds of diseases that have come against your dad, your mom. People have died, and you are mourning, but your days of mourning, it feels like it will last forever, but it won't. Your days of mourning shall be ended. Amen. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. Oh, that verse right there, that phrase right there, that is a mouthful. That is a heartful. In its time, I will hasten it. Do you know that every promise has the perfect time of fulfillment? And in it, sometimes we pray, Lord, hasten, hasten. I want to see it now. In its time, when the promise is to be fulfilled, it will come quickly. It will come fully and completely and quickly. In its time, I will hasten it. Now, we're going to read chapter 61. And chapter 61 is definitely a messianic, or it talks about Messiah. It's a prophecy about Messiah. How do we know this so definitely? Because these verses we're about to read, this is quoted in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, quoted by Jesus himself. And he said, it refers to him. He said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in front of you. So it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me who? Messiah. Is the Spirit of the Lord God upon you? I hope so. Yes. So yes, we can also apply these verses to ourselves. but the literal first interpretation, it's about the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, We're going to preach the gospel to the poor in Jesus' name. Jesus said that was, that's his mission statement. That's part of what he does. He preaches the good news. We're not only preaching the good news to the working class, to the wealthy people, but we are also preaching to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now in Luke chapter 4, that is where Jesus ended and he rolled up the scroll and he handed it back to the attendant and he started talking to them about the scriptures. He ended there because that was the start of the year of the Lord's favor. When the Lord Jesus is walking among us, salvation has come to us. We're living in the year of the Lord's favor. But the verse in Isaiah is still prophetic of more of future times. And it continues. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Still this purpose to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful, headdress instead of ashes. There's that word, beautiful again. God wants us to have beautiful things. Now, ashes, people would put ashes on their head to indicate mourning. And God is saying, instead of mourning, I'm going to give you a beautiful headdress. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. So Beautiful headdress instead of ashes, which symbolizes mourning. The oil of gladness. Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness beyond or above his fellows. We have a happy Jesus. It's joyful to serve the Lord. It's an honor to serve the Lord, but it's joyful to serve the Lord. Oil of gladness instead of mourning. These are things, opposite things. Choices that are completely opposite, one from another, that we get to make. You don't have to put on a certain garment in the morning. You choose. I'm going to put on this garment. I'm going to do this instead of this. Okay. Opposites that the Lord is giving us. The garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness or despair. Or it says in the ESV, a faint spirit. The garment of praise. That... They may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, we see these opposites are given by Jesus the Messiah. It's our choice to put them on, and they have a purpose that people are going to see. Look at that person. Everybody else is in mourning. Everybody else is so uh, in despair. Everybody else is depressed. But look at those believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are filled with the oil of joy in their life. Yes, and they will take note. And God will be glorified. All to the glory of God, always to the glory of God. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast." Instead of your shame will be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. Remember one of the woes. Woe to those who call right wrong, who call wrong right. God wants fairness and justice, and he wants when we say what we say, we mean what we say, and that's what we say. We we say what we mean and mean what we say. It's, It's wrong to say, oh, that is so awesome, when it's actually darkness. It's wrong to look at awful things on Netflix or on whatever we're watching and say, oh, look at that anime. That is absolutely so awesome. When actually it's full of sexuality explicit or it's full of demons or you cannot call that awesome. That's a woe and you don't want to get woed at by God. That's one thing we learned in Isaiah, right? I will faithfully give them their recompense. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the people's. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. You want that, don't you? As you walk down the street, as you walk through your office, people will say, look at that one. There goes somebody the Lord has blessed. Amen. And now once again, starting in verse 10, here comes Isaiah just bursting into songs of praise before the Lord. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. Isaiah, David, me, I hope you too, just bursting into praise once in a while in your life. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Isaiah is not the only biblical author to refer to salvation as a garment, right? Right. David did that in Psalm 132. He sang about it, the garment of salvation which with which the people of God would be clothing themselves. Even the New Testament authors picture this as our salvation being, in other words, something that the Lord clothes us with. He has clothed me with the robe of righteousness. In other words, our salvation, unlike you know how religion will put it. Religion looks inward, and religion will say, you know, you look inside yourself, and you, you become a seeker, and from inside of you will come truth, and will come all. Your salvation did not come from inside of you any more than today when I got up. I didn't decide what color is this, gold and black. I didn't decide this morning, okay, self, from inside of you, produce a golden black dress, because today I want to wear a gold and black dress. No, I put on that gold and black dress. You see, you didn't just grow salvation from inside of you. It's impossible. The Lord clothes you with salvation. As a bridegroom decks himself out like a priest with a beautiful headdress, beautiful again, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as the garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations." He is the source of righteousness. He is the source of praise. It comes from God. Everything that we accomplish, it's not we ourselves who have done it, but it is God who has done it for us. And God, the source of praise, the source of righteousness, it comes to our spirits and then it sprouts up, overflowing before all. You know, in Psalm 22, verse 25, David said, my praise comes from you in the great congregation. Again, all that we have accomplished, you have done for us, Lord. Amen. Well, that is the end of our Isaiah, 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 reading for today. I'm always sorry when it's over for the day because it fills us with this sense of God's sovereignty and God's bigness, the I am, the I am the Lord, guiding and directing our lives and our paths and showing us the beautiful way to live and that he wants to beautify us. Yes, more Isaiah coming tomorrow. Meanwhile, we pray that you will be with us tonight as pastor and I join you again for our Monday night Online COP service. God bless you.